Hi there, this is Joanne Dennison, CMP, The Meat Guide, and I'm welcoming you to another edition of Sit in the Attendees Chair. Thanks so much, whether this be your first one you're listening to or you've listened to some of the previous ones, always glad to have you on and hope you always walk away with at least one thing that helps you in some way. So I'm really excited today because um, we have a guest and um, one of the things, in fact, we were just discussing it before we started recording is the fact that there are so many credentials. And if you don't know exactly what we mean by credentials and why I finally started using credentials instead of designations, although I use that too, please do go back and listen to the um the episode with uh, where we talk about credentials and what what that means and you know which ones can you use the letters after your name and which ones you can't and what all's in the industry I think a lot of you will find that really interesting I know I know I I have asked 20 years of questions on that but I still learned something uh, from that one too but you know there's so many different professional associations for those of you who are familiar with EIC the Events Industry Council formerly the Convention Industry Council, formerly the Convention Liaison Council, if you've been around a while. Um, it is made up of over 30 professional associations in the meetings, events, and hospitality industry. And we don't even know a fraction. Most of us couldn't even probably name six. Um, and so one of the things I am hoping to do through this podcast is – uh, expose you to a lot of these different associations, what makes them, you know, very special and independent and why you might choose to belong to one of them versus some of the bigger, more encompassing ones like an MPI or a PCMA or an ILEA. Um, but there are ones that are targeted towards certain types of planners. And I think that's really important for you to uh, know. So today we are welcoming Diana Hackenholtz, a CMP, which is actually how we know each other. And I'll tell you that story in a minute. She is the Director of Meetings and Education for the Association of Collegiate, meaning colleges people, colleges and universities, Conference and Events Directors International. And the acronym is ACEST hyphen I, A-STI, and um, really excited to have her, and like I said, how we met, and this is why you need to go to industry events, is we do both have our CMP, and for many years, I don't know if it's going to continue post-pandemic, there was a, I'm going to say conference, um, called the CMP Conclave, held every year, and only CMPs could attend. And uh, I know where we were. We were in Baltimore, so that was around maybe 2016. I think we were in Baltimore. Um, and um, or National was it DC? Harbor. Okay, I you know I kept I pictured the ballroom and I kept thinking, you know, that was National Harbor, but it seemed like a year too late. So 2017, and um, yeah, because I kept picturing the ballroom and going, Mm-mm, that was not Baltimore. I just, you know, so yes, you're absolutely right. And uh, we, the committee had created a Sunday brunch to end the thing. And we were standing there with glasses of mimosa. And I read her name tag. And having come back from, uh, having come from colleges and universities, I was really interested to learn more. 
And luckily, we've stayed in touch. In fact, Steve, go ahead. Go ahead. You might as well Steve say Steve the Great. Um, he has actually spoken at their conferences, too. So he and I, he's actually, well, we both met Diana. So anyway, point being is random mimosas can lead you at industry associations to bringing uh, you know, very interesting people into your life that teach you things. So um, uh, that's a good memory of mine from Conclave, along with many others. So Diana, mine as well. yeah, is it? I mean, when I think about that, that was just you know, it was just so random. Right. Out of three or four hundred people that we would run into each other and start talking. So um, exactly. So Diana, one of the things I I have found that people love to to hear other people's story is, you know, how they wandered into the meetings and events industry since for most of us, it was a winding, very indirect road because most of us, when we got out of school, did not even have a clue that anyone did this for a living. Um, and what Kim Copperthwaite, I think she called it on my way to becoming a meeting planner was how, what she calls the storyline, which I think is pretty good since everyone's background. So tell us, how did you end up here? Well, um, it was a little bit of a roundabout way, but still kind of a focus where I knew I wanted to get into tourism was my thought oh. The onset of my college career, but I was doing it uh, through horses initially. I was uh, a great lover of horseback riding, had uh, taken many classes throughout um, my younger years, and found a university that had equine science as a major. Where'd you go? Uh, so I came. I came out here to Colorado State University. Oh. I still live in Fort Collins, where it's located. Okay. And my initial idea was to get into dude ranching, um, which is kind of a tourism aspect of the overall equine world. Um, I actually uh, received the Dude Ranchers Association scholarship and spent a summer uh, working at a dude ranch in Idaho um, and had added natural resources, recreation, and tourism as a minor um, to my equine science major and pretty much determined that um, it's very difficult to get into dude ranching unless you can, you know, own your own place. <laughs> and they're, you know, usually small family run businesses. And um, I just knew that wasn't going to be in the cards for me. So uh, a lot of conversations with my advisors on both of uh, aspects the major and the minor and ultimately decided I needed to drop equine science and make natural resources, recreation, and tourism my major, which is what I did. And that kind of started me down this path um, where uh, upon completion of um, the degree, I went on to a golf resort in Illinois and missed Colorado entirely too much. I learned I'm very much a mountain girl, so I made my way back as quick as I could and worked in a variety of areas of the industry. Uh, I worked at a hospitality management company with a, their limited service um, portfolio, 
went on to the Oxford Hotel, a historic property in downtown Denver. What was that one? Um, what was it? Um, the Oxford Hotel, hmm. which is actually one year older than the Brown Palace, which most people are more familiar with in downtown Denver. <laughs> yep, I know Brown Palace. That was on my bucket list, and I got to do it a couple of years ago. I was so excited. It was ridiculous. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful hotel. Um. And then I ended up coming back up to Fort Collins, just now we're north of Denver, uh, to work at the Convention and Visitors Bureau, now visit Fort Collins. Um, but back in the day when I was there, we were still calling all of them Convention and Visitors Bureaus. <laughs> and now they don't even and, use that. They keep, you know, DMO, DMO, and it's like, what? Exactly. Just to add to the confusion with a DMC, right? Oh, my gosh. Right. Right. So it you did, really does. It, it really does, yeah. I mean, I'm constantly trying to, and I have to be careful when I say it because I'm likely to say the wrong way. I know what I'm trying to say, but it doesn't always come out that way. But, um, wow. Yeah, so and having worked for them when they were a CVB, you know, I – even though I know of the change that's happened so long ago now, it's such a habit of mine oh, yeah. still uh, to utilize that term. Most so, people do. Uh, even even younger people coming into the industry, they still refer to them as CVB. So I don't, I'm not sure well, it was a great rebranding, but that's my opinion. <laughs> well, that, that makes me feel a little bit better. That's not just me. Not just you at all. So CVB in Fort Collins. Yeah, and uh, it was a, a great opportunity. Fort Collins was a very easy sell for me because I loved this community, having gone to college here. And um, being a smaller bureau, we, you know, worked pretty much with clients from beginning to end. So there wasn't a lot of pass-off. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, through that process, working with a lot of folks that weren't professional meetings planners and you know needed the extra assistance and I found myself acting very much like a consultant in many cases and found that you know that's what I really am enjoying doing <laughs> and about that time I would gotten to know some folks uh, here at ASI and uh, a position came open and it was a perfect transition for me to move into the planner seat from the supplier side and that's kind of been my route. <laughs> wow. So a couple things. Do you, because I get these questions from people, do you think having been on the supplier side, um, did that help make you a better planner? Absolutely. I think, you know, just like when you're in a hotel and, you know, they encourage you to work in every department, I think for the industry as a whole to have experience in different sides of the industry is always going to be enlightening and useful um, in your current position. Yeah, that's what I always tell people, you know, when I have people who are on the hospitality side or they're thinking of, uh, you know, on the hotel side or supplier side, and they're thinking about taking a job over there and they're like, yeah, but I really want to be a planner. I said, this one of my biggest regrets is I never did work on the other side. And I feel like I'm always trying to catch up on information that I don't know because of it. And I said, you bring, when you become a planner, you're going to bring so much good information to your organization because you know how a hotel works or a DMC or a DMO or whatever. You just have inside knowledge that 
people don't really know unless they've actually worked in it. So I think it makes you more valuable personally. So well, thank you. I've found every experience I've had to, you know, just build one on the other and, you know, make you a better well-round professional in the industry. Exactly. There's, there's no such thing as too much knowledge, because, especially with things changing so fast. It's weird what you end up having to use that you may have run across 10 years ago that didn't seem super pertinent at the time is what I've found. Um, exactly. But you come back to it. So a couple other quick questions about you before we move on is, so you didn't grow up in Colorado, though. You went to Colorado but found out that's actually where you belonged? Well, I, I jokingly say I halfway grew up in Colorado. My father is also a Colorado State University alum, mm. and he didn't want to leave Colorado either. Unfortunately, he wasn't as lucky as I was, and he ended up back in Omaha, Nebraska, where I did grow up. Um, but he made sure we came to Colorado every year for a vacation, um, and I knew the CSU campus like the back of my hand before I was even enrolled. <laughs> <laughs> Those legacy students, schools love them, you know, when you when, exactly. the, when the parents bring them. And do you still do anything with the horses? Unfortunately, not too much. It is a very expensive hobby. Yeah. <laughs> and not one that I can um, enjoy at the moment. But whenever I have a chance, I do get out on trail rides or um, see what I can when the opportunity does present itself. Did you say you participated in fox hunts? Did I hear you say that? No. no okay. I, did not do well, I thought I heard her. I'm looking at him going, what? Uh, I, I thought I heard her say that. And oh, by the way. My... I was on the equestrian team, but okay. no fox hunts. Okay. My parents actually went to a dude ranch one time on vacation. As... Oh, that must have been oh. very interesting. I, I didn't go, but I mean, they went. They loved it. So anyway. Yeah, there's one. I one know. day I would love to go back as a guest to that dude ranch. It's, it's changed hands. It's different owners. But I think that would be uh, such a fun experience to go back there. Wait, and did you go week. there as a kid or you worked there actually? When I worked there as part of an internship up in Idaho. I uh, had a summer at a dude ranch up there and probably one of my most memorable summers for sure. Oh, wow. The, I know when I lived in New Jersey, there was a, a one um, north of New York City that people... No, no, no. A dude people, ranch north of New York City? Oh, this thing is very, very popular. I think it's considered a dude ranch. Um, and it's like in the Catskills region, you know, um, you know, nothing city about it. And I mean... Girl Scout troops used to go up and, you know, just families. It's very family-oriented and everything. I can't remember the name of it. Every once in a while I see it and it just brings – I never went. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that – and even when you said equine science, it's interesting because one of our neighbors, um, the daughter, actually has, has lived, eat, breathe horses uh, since she was growing up and she was looking for schools with equine science mm -hmm. and we suggested the only one we knew was Midway, Kentucky um, because we had ah. stumbled across it one time when we were at uh, University of Kentucky for something but um, yeah she's actually training to become a physical therapist for horses uh, and oh, apparently she has to do the 
DPT first and then go do the equine courses to do that. You actually get your regular DPT, doctor of uh, physical therapy, and then go do it, which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. But um, you don't meet a whole lot of people who have majored in equine sciences, that's for sure. No, you don't. <laughs> so I'll get, So now i got to ask one more question about the equine science because it's got my attention. Um, what do they, with that degree, what do they prepare people to go do? Like what is, well, what do people who do finish that degree and do something directly with it, what, what do most of them do? I mean, there's so many jobs. I mean, just kind of like our industry, there's so many facets of it mm -hmm. that surprises people. And it's the same way in the equine industry. Um, you know, you kind of picked a focus, the industry or science, when you went into the sciences aspect of it, you're looking at reproduction. Mm -hmm. Training, um, probably. You know, yeah, genetics. Yeah. Lots of things like that, along with, you know, just overall care. Um, and then you have the industry side of it, which, you know, it's kind of what I mentioned, it's the business side with food ranching but it could be you know going into journalism specific to uh the equine world or race or tracks like probably there's a lot of options yeah. yeah so how interesting um and having lived in new jersey for a long time uh, it, like i even discovered things by sitting next to someone on a plane one day that like north jersey it was all the fox hunts and breeding and the United States equestrian team, but South Jersey was all the racehorses. And mm -hmm. it was just interesting to learn that there were these two different worlds. To me, it was all horses. You know, this is it when you're on the outside and talking to this woman whose husband happened to be one of the top equine vets in, I guess, in the country. Um, you know, and learning, I was like, wow, I never even thought of some of the information she was telling me. And here I'd lived in New Jersey all these years and, and knew that horses were a very key thing in New Jersey. But anyway, okay, so now that we've talked horses, um, so <laughs> I guess we should go back. So tell us about Aced Eye. Tell us about the organization, how to come to be, who's members, et cetera, et cetera. Tell us about it. Yeah, we are uh, in our 42nd year, coming up on our 42nd annual conference. And Excellent. our members um, plan, coordinate, market, design, conferences, and events on their collegiate campuses. Um, and they're kind of in the unique position where in many cases they are both uh, the planner, but could be seen on the supplier side as well. Um, they do both internal and those external events and conferences. So in terms of internal, our members can be integral in the planning of commencement presidential inaugurations, alumni events, um, donor events. They can be bringing in uh, high-level speaker series for their communities. Um, but then during the summer mainly, but uh, throughout the year, depending on each university's capabilities, they bring in external events to their campuses. And that can range from you know, what most people I think would initially think of, like band camps and cheerleading camps and uh, things like that, which gets uh, the high school students interested in collegiate life and hopefully their specific campus. 
but they will also bring in, you know, international symposiums, associations, religious groups onto their campus to hold their conferences. Um, so they they kind of work in in all areas, from large events to the uh, to smaller meetings to large international conferences. So, you know, obviously, <laughs> I, <laughs> see, I like that. Um, Sorry, that's, nope. that's my dog, Cody. I apologize. Don't, don't. We long ago, I mean, we've had a, a number of dogs on the show, trust me. So don't, you know, probably a few UPS deliveries, Alexa talking in the background, you know, whatever. Send us a picture uh, of Cody. Yeah, yeah. We'll put Cody up on I will. He's eight months right oh, now. So. Oh, definitely send it. We'll put a, We'll put him up as a guest speaker on the podcast this week. They're nodding, yeah. Kelly yes. and Pauline are going. Yeah, we we love animals. Uh, Kelly has a dog. Rosie, yes, she's an English cocker spaniel. So she shows up, you know, and and uh, Pauline a, just got a new baby. I just got a kitten. A black, kitten. three months old black kitten. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're we're big into it. So no problem there. But one of the things, you know, when I talk to people who are, you know, looking at their career path and where they should go, I'm always a big proponent for get on higher ed jobs and look at the jobs in the colleges and universities. There's a lot of benefits of working there. And, you know, um, but the first thing I get from people is, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to work with students. And of course, since I come out of student life, I'm always like, nope. Nope, nope. That's a whole different career track. That's you're not working with the students, except maybe you'll plan commencement. So I think, do you find that a lot of people struggle to understand that there are meeting and or event planners on campus that pretty much do nothing with the students? Do you? Um, or you the, your group already knows. <laughs> So, you know, our members do employ a lot of students. Oh, yeah. Actually. And yep. it, it is a great way for students to get their foot in the door yep. um, when they're at those universities to work with the conference um, or events departments and, um, you know, work alongside, you know, the professionals and, you know, see firsthand what the business is, is all about. And, you know, in some cases, clients may work uh, with some of the students that have, um, you know, been there and have reached that level in the department. But, um, you know, all clients, you know, are working with professionals at the university that, you know, are, are full time uh, and knowledgeable in what it takes to put meeting together. Um, they, many of our members um, are veterans and have been doing this for a very long time. Absolutely. Oh, Steve, you're going to say something. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you were going to bring this up at some point. But, you know, I'm out of higher ed, too. And now there are many campuses that have just excellent meeting facilities. I mean, they're building hotels with meeting space, you know, on campus. Probably and conference in a, centers. And yeah. conference centers. It may be in a joint partnership with somebody or uh, the, it may be managed by some flag. Uh, but. Uh, where was the one I went in Virginia where they just, we went. James uh, Madison. James Madison had just built a, a, a built a hotel. We yeah, were we was there second week. Yeah, <laughs> we were there the second week and like some of their furniture hadn't arrived. We didn't have a chair in our room. It was still yeah. on the truck somewhere. It was so new. The whole place smelled like new carpet. It was great, but it was um, an excellent meeting facility and for small market 
for small medium market, I always recommend that they look at some campuses in their local area because they're they're prepared and they're able to do this and and educated in it. Well, and I think people yeah, still have many that. Are, go ahead, go ahead, Diana. I was just going to say, yeah, many of our members do have on-campus hotels or conference centers in addition to the you know classroom space and the arenas and the stadiums and uh, just a variety of places to meet. And because they are higher education and servicing their student population, they have, you know, in a lot of cases, great state-of-the-art technology in these classrooms, in these spaces. And, you know, residence halls are also available during the summertime for um, lodging as well as local hotels and you know many residence halls aren't like what we all probably remember exactly. <laughs> when we were students they are nice apartments and and things like that i mean there are still obviously some of those traditional setups but but very amazing you very seldom and that's what i always try to tell people too now we're not talking quarter style dorms with you know common bathrooms yeah maybe very occasionally but you know the residence halls we've toured in the past 10 years are nicer than like, most of the um, apartments I lived in until I was over 30. Like you high, know? high Point. High Point. High Point oh, yeah. in high uh, point North University. Carolina. It's amazing. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I, I think, you know, and that's another thing I guess I would hope coming out of this podcast because I'm always saying to to planners, to corporate planners, association planners, nonprofit planners, have you just like Steve? Have you looked at colleges and universities? Their facilities are not what you think they are. I mean, there might be some, but there's also, like you said, yes, we used to do the classrooms, and it was a classroom. That's what it was. But as you said, the classrooms, and especially after the past year and a half, are so high tech. You know, they've installed so yeah. much everywhere um and of course i always joke that one of the biggest things to me especially if you're on a budget is the cost of food and beverage Mm -hmm. versus at a hotel it's a fraction of what it would be at a hotel nearby it is it's a big difference and you know you have options there too you have you know you can use utilize the traditional dining hall which isn't Again, much like the residence halls, not what you remember it being. Right. <laughs> there are so many variety of options, um, you know, and they're right on top of dietary needs and allergies and, and things like that. Or you can also go the traditional catering route um, when you have meetings at these campuses. Yeah. Um, so hopefully this will pique even people who aren't currently working with you know higher ed venues to to really look into it because it it is quite something and the other thing i've had a lot of uh higher ed planners in my class this past year from all across the country and it's been very interesting to see how different even you know their jobs are like you said some are doing outside some are you know off-campus groups some are doing on-campus groups like the president's office like someone i know just did a a big ribbon cutting event for a huge brand new dental school. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, walking through that and someone else, there was a new president near us um, that was uh, inaugurated and, 
you know, it, it, but then one of my other planners only works with the engineering alumni from her school. That's that's their department. It's alumni and and you know development and fundraising, but it's only the engineers as opposed to the medical school or the law school or whatever. Um, so I think when people go, oh, I don't know that I want to do higher ed. I think I think there's a cool niche for almost anyone on a cam- if they find the right campus. Um, Absolutely. I mean, you have some of the smaller universities where you might find you're a one-stop shop or a department mm-hmm. of two or three um, because of the size of the institution and you have the opportunity to get your fingers in everything. You know, you have mm-hmm. a role in everything that happens on uh, campus when it comes to events and conferences or if you want to get more specific, some of those larger institutions will have a separate events department from a separate um, conference department. Uh, the alumni uh, office might be the one handling those specific events. You know, many of our campuses, um, talking about another uh, thing that happens at times is filming crews will come on to film, mm. um, you know, series, you know, comedy series or movies that, you know, need to have a campus background. So, you know, they have the chance to, you know, work on an an event that's dealing, you know, with Hollywood there. So there's always something uh, unique that happens on a collegiate campus, And I had someone recently say, but I don't want to just plan stuff on campus. I want to be able to travel. And what I found is First of all, some of the ones who do alumni, they will do alumni events elsewhere in the country and maybe even outside of the country, depending on the school, where they are, you know, sourcing and and going off the campus to do events. Um, And the other one that I was fascinated by, by one of the universities, I'd never heard of a university doing this, but I'm sure it's far more common than I knew, is their department handled, like, you know, when uh, the person from the history department now is president of his or her association, and like you said, they want to bring the, you know, symposiums on campus or, or whatever, and, you know, suddenly the meeting planning department at the university is working with them to do that. But in their particular case, they could be hired, so say that person had to do a conference somewhere else. The professor at their college, an employee of the college, could hire that department to go plan a meeting in another state. That blew me Absolutely. out of the world. Absolutely. <laughs> I was going to just make mention of it. It was like you were reading my mind that we do have, you know, a subset of members that do act as kind of like that third-party meeting yeah. planner for their campus um, cohorts where, you know, the professors or whoever is, you know, needing the assistance to bring in a meeting um, or, you know, to the area and need someone that knows what they're doing (laughs) to help them with that. So uh, we definitely have those people that are meeting planners that are mainly planning things outside of the university. Yeah, that blew me away. Uh, It just, I was like, you do what? Wait, you go out of state, you're a state university. Hang on, I'm not getting this. And But like you you described it perfectly. They're like an independent meeting or a third-party meeting firm that can be hired. And uh, what a great revenue source for the college and university too. 
um, which is absolutely our members generally are that ancillary revenue for the university and and, um, actually one of the big reasons many universities can be around employment opportunities you know once everybody has uh, you know some students on campus in the summertime but you know the numbers definitely go down and um, by bringing in outside events you can keep those residents halls open and the dining service working and and things like that so yeah and at a time when so many you know colleges and universities are looking for alternative revenue streams which of course is more into steve's world than mine um you know to keep tuition down to build new buildings to do whatever i mean alternative revenue streams is never a bad thing unless it's illegal but you know uh you know what a great way for a college or university to look at how can they expand what they're offering steve's dying to say something here we go go ahead no 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 my my tax mind kicked in because she said you know we can keep those residence halls and i, I went oh have you heard about hotel motel tax? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stopping. We're going right to save there. that for I, another day. Okay. That has come up at some various meeting planning uh, things, but I'm sure they talk about no, it. I think you no. even talked about it in the fall with think, them when you were on yeah. their mm-hmm. on their thing. Sorry. So yes, I was just going to say, Steve. That's why we have you come in as a speaker. <laughs> I can picture this one woman sitting in her office on that fall event, and uh, I think it had something to do with this. I don't know why I can remember this one particular attendee more than others. I mean, she was lovely, and she was, you know, fighting to keep everyone employed and everything. She was absolutely a wonderful woman. Um, So tell me why someone would want to join ASTI. Well, like um, so many aspects of the industry, there are unique things you run across when you're working in an institute of higher education as the hospitality meeting professional, (laughs) just like, you know, the government or the healthcare uh, professionals have things um, that they need to be more aware of um, and more in tune to. Uh, So do our members. They are not purely working to bring meetings and events on the campus, um, like a hotel or a conference center. They are working within the overall structure of an institution whose, you know, first and foremost mission is for their students. So um, they're working with various departments that might, you know, be in line with what they want or might be a little bit more difficult to work with at times, depending on what they see as their priorities. Um, So they need to have relationships everywhere, um, more so than, you know, you would in a traditional hotel or conference center to, you know, make these things come off without a hitch. Um, Knowing how to deal with, you know, the president's office and uh, justifying why it is important to have a conference and event protocol and on the campus yeah. protocols, all of it. Um, so you know we're we're that niche for those that have those unique situations, um, being you know in a collegiate environment. Um, so we're. We provide that for them, provide that networking, that connection, um, you know, promote 
what the standard of excellence should be for for those in the industry. Um, it's it's more of a unique situation um, when you're looking at professionals in collegiate conferences and events is that they can be under various different departments mm-hmm. at the university, which also affects a lot of uh, their operations. You know, one might be under the president's office while another one might be housed under auxiliary services. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's so many differences even within our membership and in the structure as well. That I can believe just from what I've seen in my career, but also seeing the students who, you know, and and people that I meet. Um, So really it's anyone who would be planning, selling, supplying, planning, servicing, anything to do with events on a collegiate setting. Exactly. Um, which is actually a, quite a big umbrella when you think yes. of it. Because... Yes, it is. <laughs> because it could even be people from some of the groups that things are outsourced to, like Sodexo and Aramark and, um, you know, who are placed on a college campus, I would think. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, those kinds of companies are, um, you know, in a lot of cases, the caterers for the events that come on the campus. So, you know, they are working through you know, the office, the conference services, or, um, you know, and having those relationships with um, our members and with us as an association as well. Hmm. So what kinds of education do you supply? Like, what does a member get an opportunity to learn from? I mean, I assume you have publications and mid-year conferences and annual conventions. What, what What do we do? So, yeah, we uh, do have five regions. So our regions um, do get together, have networking events, some education. We also provide in the fall what we call educational forums, which both you and Steve have presented for us in the past, last year, where we kind of drill down to a more specific area of collegiate conferencing and events, anywhere from business operations or a leadership focus, um, event management, logistics, um, you know, to have a focus. And we've been doing those virtually now um, for a few years. And then our annual conference is where, you know, as most annual conferences are, you get all aspects available, um, a good smorgasbord of education. Uh, that could be specific to, you know, commencement responsibilities, inauguration, um, again, all the logistics of that, marketing, selling, customer service. Um, you know, as with many people, we're, we're trying to get back to a new normal. So getting out there and being open for business again for the summer of 2022. You know, it's interesting you answered one of the questions I was going to say is, give me an example of a, a um, session that would be there that you wouldn't find anywhere else. But like you said, how to plan commencement, how to plan, yeah, the, those, the, how to plan the president's thing, you know, how to, you know. I was also thinking, um, you know, one of the things people talk about, because it comes up in, in certain things I, I do, 
about handling like high profile government people like presidents, uh, heads of state from other countries, governors, et cetera. And all, you know, the highest I ever got was a governor. But, you know, when I was on colleges and I was thinking, wow, colleges and universities are a key place Mm -hmm. where people more than most corporate meetings. I mean, corporate meetings, you might have, you know, one keynote speaker who falls into that category. But in colleges and universities, those people are coming in and out all the time in terms of you know, like I said, dignitaries and or uh, even hosting a presidential debate on campus. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. 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 Those are really big business. And, you know, we we have some experts within our membership that, you know, have done many of those uh, big debates. And I know uh, Belmont received a, a great deal of uh, free publicity for uh, hosting the presidential uh, debates and Someone uh, in Ohio had it last year. I forget who. I forget, but I know Belmont benefited greatly. Well, they've had more than one there, I think. Their admissions uh, request was just skyrocketed after the presidential debates as a result of the publicity. So it benefits the entire university. But that would be, you know, um, I always tell people if you've you've been involved in an event that um, is – that me no um that had someone like that that you should include it on your professional profile on your resume or something because working with the secret service or even the state troopers for the governor's office oh it's eye-opening it truly is eye-opening but i'm thinking that colleges and universities boy you know you brought up the film industry and i think that's i hadn't even thought about that but you you're definitely going to get a more varied if you're the kind that doesn't want every day to be the same, you are going to get that working on a, a universe, college and university campus versus going to the same corporation and doing the same type of meetings. I mean, that's one of the beauties, definitely, of, of working on the campus, I think. But No, that is very true. Um, you know, a lot of different high-profile opportunities, uh, you know, not just in the political arena, like I said, many universities will have, you know, speaker series and they yep. could be bringing in any kind of big name out there <laughs> that you could possibly imagine, or, uh, you know, to have a Yeah. Speaking of filming, like uh, when Jeopardy does the college bowl quiz and goes from university to university, I was at one university and Jeopardy came and they had 10,000 people in the audience for, to see a Jeopardy show. It was amazing. So um, at your uh, annual uh, conference, do you have an exhibit hall? We do. We uh, have an exhibit hall for those that provide services and um, What's the most interesting thing you can think of that's in there? This is one of my favorites, like talking to associations and saying, so what's like, what's that yours? And like uh, Kim Copperthwaite, who works for New Jersey Association of Justice, hers is like, well, um, accident recreation people and medical experts. And I'm like, huh? You know, but because it's, you know, a lot of the law cases that are handled. Or I talked to someone else who worked for an association that it was about, you know, um, the the work put into the ground to hold a, a building. And it was like all the concrete pours. And the, so, so what is, um, what are kind of the most unique ones that show up at yours? Um. You know, we've definitely had 
a variety of unique ones over the years. You know, we have uh, Varsity Spirits, which brings in um, cheerleading camps to various uh, universities throughout the summer. So they're always fun to have. Kelly's on um, your head. Were you but, a cheerleader or yes, something? Yes, all through high school and middle school. I went to all the cheerleading camps at the colleges. <laughs> yeah, so see, you know exactly yes. what, <laughs> what we're talking about. Um, but, you know, we have other companies that, you know, bring in other groups uh, like that, um, you know, but a lot of the typical ones you would see for our industry. We've furniture, got the, linens. Yep. Mm-hmm. Furniture, linens, uh, software for registration, for mm-hmm. um, organization, all those kinds of things, interpreting services, um, the... Oh, interpreting promotional products mm. <laughs> like PC name tags. Oh yeah, uh, places like that. We've got AV companies. I know uh, you have event ways. registration companies, or at least one probably that exhibits. Oh yes, we have many of those. Um, you mentioned like Sodexo uh, before. They have a, a campus conferencing unit, so they're they're some of our corporate members and who you would see at our exposition. Very interesting. Is um, well, obviously, since the I is international, you do have some uh, sub campuses that are outside of the United States, maybe outside of North America. Yeah, we uh, pride our largest aspect of our international is our Canadian members mm-hmm. for sure, um, but we do have a few from the UK. Um, we've had a few out in um, Qatar, and um, we've had someone from Egypt. I would have to look at our membership to know if they're still currently members Did right you ever now. Have any you know, from... There's been a lot of changes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, the past year and a half has messed up everyone's membership. Did you ever have any from there's... France? Pauline is from France. So we got to find um... out if there were any. <laughs> Just curious. I cannot think of one off the top of my head, but that doesn't mean we have it. Right, right. Yeah, I was just kind of curious. And I know, I mean, it's just like so many other programs that started in the U.S. And like you said, Canada became the first international and then Mexico and and then it spread out. And I know over in Europe, there are some associations that started over there. Same thing. You know, they slowly start um, spreading through. So the next thing I I really wanted you to talk about is... uh, the credentials. So as uh, we were talking beforehand, a lot of times people call me and say, okay, well, I'm thinking of, of, of going for some designation, some credentials, some letters after my name or whatever you want to call it. Um, what should I go between this one or this one? Or what do you think I should do next? And my point to them always is it depends. It depends what you want to get out of it. And I know you do. In fact, I didn't know. I guess I knew you had more than one, but I didn't know what the second one was until we were talking before we went on. So why don't you tell them about the credentials, designations, et cetera, opportunities people have, badges of honor from your organization? Why don't you tell what you have? Yeah, I'm happy to. So we have the Collegiate Conference and Events Professional uh, credential that is an individual credential, um, much like the CMP. I know uh, we both have that. Mm-hmm. And uh, HI also does encourage the CMP. We are a member of the Events Industry Council. 
Um, but we have found like so many associations because we are a niche area of the hospitality. You know, our members straddle the world of higher education and hospitality that um, to have that niche credential that related to exactly what they are doing um, was going to be a very beneficial thing. So it helps recognize those have that reach that high level of achievement in, in the collegiate management. Um, so we give them three years uh, from their entrance into the program. Uh, we do require a variety of activities, your CEUs, of course, um, but we also like to see the volunteerism and the giving back to the industry as a writer, as a presenter, as a participant in benchmarking uh, for the industry as a whole. And then it culminates in a essay exam. And much like the Events Industry Council has their international standards, we also have standards that our questions are related to. And another association that we are a part of, which is the consortium called CAS, which is the Council for the Advancement of Standards in Higher Education, puts together areas that are important for all of us associations that deal with associations from us to fraternity sorority groups to law enforcement officers to risk management departments. Uh, we all belong to CAS and work on these standards that we then incorporate into our credential. So, for example, some of those focuses might be on the programs and services. Um, an area that would be unique to our credential would be student learning development and success, as that is a big cornerstone of higher education is the students when our members employ students, it's also with an eye of furthering their development and their success for the future. We also have leadership, management, and supervision, ethics, law and policy, financial resources. These are all areas that they will be focused on in the testing that they do in submitting their written exam back to us. Wow. And then they are able to get their CCEP. And um, the, the recertification process is every three years. Um, again, like most, you don't have to go through that lengthy exam base anymore. But we do still like to see those uh, CEUs coming in as well as, you know, the professional development uh, to the industry as a continued speaker, writer, and volunteerism. Wow. That's that's quite something. How long has the uh, designation been around? It's been around for a little over 20 years now. Okay. And it has gone through um, many iterations over yeah. that time. So it could CMP. be more professional. <laughs> yes, very much like that. And um, about, 15, about 15 years ago is when we started incorporating those CAS standards into the credential, uh, which I think really gave it a lot more stature in mm -hmm. the industry. And uh, focus to the exams. 
And how um, many CCEPs are there? Well, you know, that, that is always a changing number mm-hmm. due to obviously recertification. Yeah. Um, but we, we probably have over a hundred, mm-hmm. which again, doesn't sound like the number CMP has for, for any means that we are a niche in the hospitality exactly. industry. So. Exactly. No. And a very, again, so different than, you know, uh, the financial planners or the pharma planners or the, you know, it, it's just a very, very different world, both the types of events you're planning and who you're planning them for and, and the ground that you are planning them on. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a, a very niche, you know, industry. And um, I, I always wish more people would look at it because, to me, the benefits of working on a college campus are amazing from tuition, you know, discounted or fully paid for to, you know, just it's a whole different environment. It functions in differently and some ways maybe more frustrating. I always warn my corporate friends, if you're going to go work at a college or university, just please expect everything to take triple the time it took in corporate, you know. Um, it just... <laughs> You need six signatures and, you know, like when people apply for jobs and they're like, I didn't hear anything. I said, you're not going to hear anything for three months. So, you know, they got to bring everything in. Just calm down. Everything's by committee. Um, But there's so many pluses to working on a college campus that people don't see. The salary may or may not be what it is out in the rest of the world, but there are so many other benefits, including better job security usually, um, you know, a more livable schedule, <laughs> you know, that not. Well, sometimes, just yeah. like any of us events people, you, you have your busy times and you kind of wonder, why am I doing this? Yeah. I'm working seven days a week, <laughs> right. hours a week, whatever it may be yeah. at times. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, opening a school is the one that I always remember, you know, the two to three weeks before, you know, it's just all hands on deck, everyone on campus. And it goes into the first couple of weeks and frequently through homecoming parents weekend, etc um and uh yeah um, yeah and you know student moving that's you know a great example especially these past couple of years because there have been so many new aspects to that uh with COVID-19 and uh, testing requirements and you know many of our members had to jump in and learn you know how to do quarantine housing and manage that yep. and you know there weren't meetings coming in, but they definitely found a use for their skill set. And, you know, working with hotel contacts as needed, you know, to use hotel space for, you know, yep. quarantine housing or, you know. And even some of them I know were helping run testing centers and uh, yes, things like that. I mean, absolutely. if anyone knows how to get a line moving, you know, it's a, <laughs> like, this is what we need to accomplish. No, let's set this up this way and it will work yeah. so much better. So tell us about the other, I, I don't know what the correct word would be, designation, <laughs> credential, the one you were telling me about beforehand, because I really haven't heard of many, if any, I'm trying to think through the industry who do anything like this. So tell us about that. So one. our other credential is called One Stop Shop and it is the resource for institutions departments to identify themselves as 
a centralized operation to work through. Um, you know, we know there's a growing demand among meeting planners for an easy way of identifying these institutions that are going to be more similar to as to working with like a, a hotel would be or a conference center. So the tenets of this uh, certification is one contract, one contact, one bill. Uh, so that shows meeting planners that having your event, your conference, is going to be simple. You're not going to have to deal with five different contracts, with parking, with catering, with space, <laughs> with the residents. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have one contact you're going to work with that is going to organize all of those departments on campus for you and put it all into one contract. And at the end, you're not going to be continually getting new bills for all these pieces of your event. You're going to have, you know, the one bill that you will pay at the end. Wow. That, yeah, I can see why that would be attractive both for people on campus and people coming onto campus from the outside. Um, yeah, I think there had been a, a thought process out there that, if you're going to be on a university campus, it's going to be a very decentralized experience. And for the most part, we are moving away from that. That's why our members kind of are in existence is to, you know, make the client's life easier and to be, be that all encompassing place. So this is just an easier way for our members to be able to market themselves as that and show that they follow all of those um, important Wow, that's that's a very cool thing. I hope um, both planners who aren't on campus look it up to understand, again, why they're going to want to look at doing meetings on campuses. Um, because, yeah, I could even remember back <clears throat> when I was a student. Uh, and now, of course, yeah, nope, Steve, stop it. <laughs> You're older than me. Um, I knew he was going to say something. But I even remember as a student, you know, putting together programs and our food service was outsourced. It was an, you know, auxiliary service, which, you know, I didn't understand any of that until I got to college. Because I think this was probably the early days of, of colleges beginning to do that. You know, bookstores were still your college bookstore owned by your college. and But it was always harder because it was a whole different set of paperwork. It was a whole different set of people. So, and of course, you know, as, as time went on, I saw how that happened on a lot of campuses with, you know, it being divided. So I love the idea of one-stop shop. So Pauline and Kelly and Steve, what, what do you have that you may want to ask or comment on? Or did you all learn anything? I guess that's the first question. Yes. Definitely. I didn't know that was a, such a niche market that even existed for you know, event planners, I always think, oh, if you can plan an event somewhere, you know how to plan it in a college. But I didn't think of all the intricacies of, like, how different it is, especially in terms of protocols, things you can and can't do in a college, surrounding students, or not over the summer. I also, you know, I never spend the summer on college campus, or mm -hmm. I did when I did, like, mm -hmm. high school camps type of things. Yeah. But... Um, but then it was all about you, so it exactly. didn't matter. The rest of the students exactly. were like gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's pretty much a, especially smaller universities. I know my undergrad school is very small, so they just don't have anyone on campus over the summer. So 
you can need to bring that back to life with other events. So that's interesting to hear about. Yeah, and uh, how about you, Kelly? Oh, I, I agree. I just I think it's really interesting just hearing. I it's I've never thought about all these like summer camps and just like external events. Like I just never really thought about how the school kind of plans them and brings them in over the summer and yeah, it's just it's interesting to learn. I, I guess, about it. and your class also in the spring, we, remember mm -hmm. we brought uh, we brought a planner in from NYU, one from Drexel, mm -hmm. and one from mm -hmm. Boston University, and their three jobs were so different, yeah. <laughs> and yet they were all planners on campuses, and, you know, I even I was like, you do what? You know, um, they were that different. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Oh, no, it's there. okay. I, I think I was pretty much done. I definitely learned a lot this, this position was something I, I didn't even know about until you brought the planners into your class in the spring. But it's, it's, it's interesting. I like hearing about it. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool. Like I said, I've talked to two people in the past couple of weeks, one who had to do a president inauguration, which was supposed to be outside mm -hmm. on one campus and had to get moved on four days notice to inside on the other campus uh, because of weather. And then someone else who did uh, the dental school at Boston University that just opened. It was huge, huge, huge. And of course, doing it with COVID protocols and, and Boston is under mask required indoors, mm -hmm. except when you're actually eating or drinking. And uh, so how they designed the food to make it friendly. Go ahead, Steve. I guess uh, the thing that, you know, we call it a niche market, but it's so wide and so diverse within yeah. that. Yeah. So it's like a big niche market, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a, it's, it's a not lot a of diversity. Uh, it, yeah. <laughs> it's like a niche market in hospitality, but a very wide one yes. within the yeah. collegiate conference and events management area, right. for sure. Right. And, you know, kind of tying it back into the beginning of this conversation when he asked how my path went into this industry, it's um, amazing to hear how many stories of our members that uh, got into it because they were a student worker and mm -hmm. didn't realize that this was out there, that this mm -hmm. kind of career was out there and ended up making it their career due to, you know, their time as a student on a collegiate campus, so... Well, and the reality is when you talk to a lot of people, including myself, we too got started when we were in college, you know, and I know Pauline did and Kelly, I'm guessing you planned some stuff and everything, you know, we're involved in some things. I, kn I know Pauline did. Um, but for me, you know, I did residential life and, and then I moved into my first career in, in student activities in the college center. The college center frequently was involved in off and on campus events. And, you know, so I didn't do the, well, in some ways, actually at that college, I was one of the college planners. We just, it was one of those other duties as a sign. You have this building, you are now part of, you know, college events beyond the students type thing. Because I remember, and I'm sure this is a conversation that comes up, fighting because there were, like, someone wanted to bring in a group that would make money, but it would, or even, uh, you know, faculty or something, they wanted to do an event on campus, but it was going to mess with the student's schedule, either their class schedule or their, you know, their student organizations, and they would fight with us. Well, you know, we're more important. We're, and we're like, no, 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 college, mm, about the students. Think on this here, people. Um, but, you know, that ongoing, so I ended up going a different way. But again, so much of it came from learning how to plan events when I was an undergrad and, and then in grad school. So, 
I, I do think I tell a lot of people when I meet them, like in high school or college, you need to go get involved in those things. If that's going to be what builds your resume for when you get out of college, not it doesn't. I don't even care. Nobody cares what degree you actually have. They want to know what you did. You know, if you get a hospitality degree, great. If you get a degree in American Studies, that's fine too. But what did you do in college to learn how to plan and run an event? Um, so I think yeah. that, and like you mentioned, scheduling is a very big thing when you're talking about Ooh, yes. uh, what our members have to deal with. <laughs> Who's that more time, important? You know, a classroom is going to be in very high demand and, you know, managing each area's schedule is, you know, a job in and of itself on some campuses where you just have someone that's purely focused on making sure that is all managed correctly and probably and uh, yeah. double booked and <laughs> probably, uh, probably not a live concert through Live Nations or whoever books all those things during finals week. Probably not a good idea. Uh, maybe it is. True. I don't know. Actually, usually there is some big, you know, usually it's a little earlier in the spring. There's some major concert, just like in the fall when we right. were at WVU and everything. But um, anything else you'd like to share with us, Diana? Um, I mean, I'm hoping people go, wow, you know, I do. I work, you know, I'm, a, I'm on a campus or I've thought about going to, a, you know, changing jobs and moving to a campus. I never thought it would be this interesting i mean honestly i think people just don't realize how interesting and how diverse the events are that are on a campus that have frequently nothing to do with student this is it they they think oh it's about planning the movie nights and the student union it's like no 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 no, <laughs> no it's not that's someone else that's yeah. what i used to do you know yeah. but that, and the students also do that themselves. yeah exactly exactly the student organizations do that that's not what you're doing um, but anything else you can think of you would like to add that people should know? And we'll make sure we get your um, website up mm -hmm. with on social media and on uh, with the podcast itself. So people can find Fantastic. and check out things and maybe think about going to the March conference, which you said is in Atlanta. Is that right? It is in Atlanta. Yes, it is March 6th through 9th. So we do have registration open right now, and our education action team is working diligently on getting a strong program together for that event. And will that be hybrid or only face-to-face? -face? Um, so it is in person, but we will be recording uh, certain pieces of that to bring it in a remote fashion okay. To, okay. to those that may not be able to attend. Well, and that might be a good way for someone to get a taste of what you offer to then make the decision to move forward to be a member and attend and uh, things like that. Um, Definitely. And, you know, our association, being a collegiate conference and events professional, is a great way to, you know, get your toe dipped in various areas of the hospitality industry. Like I said, they kind of straddle both uh, bringing in external and working on internal. So it's... It has a lot of variety, so I'm very happy you gave me the opportunity to let everybody know about this niche of the hospitality industry. Well, trust me, when I when we post it, I'm going to tag. I mean, off the top of my head, I can think of one, two, three, four, five, six college planners who have been in my CMP classes in the past year um, that I'm going to tag to make sure they pay attention because uh, – a good chunk of them I know 
weren't aware, so I want to make sure they are. And and don't forget to send us a picture of Cody. Yeah, yeah. got to put a picture. Oh, of Cody. I definitely will. <laughs> Anything else you guys want to ask? He had to make himself known. I apologize again. No, don't. No. Are you kidding? <laughs> That's you know, this is you know a decision you make when you when you know what works for you and this works for us. Yeah. Do you all have anything else you wanted to ask Diana? So I don't think so. That was very so. thorough. So thank you. Yes, thank you. So, Steve, you want any uh, comments, you know? No, I, I like the organization. I, like, I know you do. I do. It's just, it was uh, different and exciting. Yeah. One, yeah. We, again, one I hadn't thought about. So, well, Diana, thank you so much. Um, we finally did it. Uh, for those of you who are listening, we, we've jumped through some real hoops. And ironically, Diana, I'll tell you later, we almost had a problem with today, ironically. But um, I'll oh, just, no. just know that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're on our third or fourth set of dates already. So, so glad that you took the time um, to tell us about you and your organization and just opening up, I know for many people, a whole different way of thinking about career paths uh, of what's available, which I think is so important. Um, and I really appreciate you coming on. I know we all do and uh, can't wait to um, do something else with you again. So thanks so much for being on. Okay. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, sounds good. And for those of you uh, listening, um, again, if this is your first one, the others are up on YouTube within uh, a short period of time. We hope before the end of the year um, to have them up on other platforms. And um, if you're not on the e-guide list, uh, drop me an email so uh, you can find out what's going on. And Or text meat guide to 22828 <laughs> yeah he's the only one who remembers that i never remember the code to be on the e-guide and uh lots of cool things coming up right now it is the middle of october there is a november december cmp class bunch of bunch of new things we're working on in the company to to hopefully offer different experiences for people so really appreciate it again thanks so much diana and signing off and we'll uh talk to you next time on sit in the attendees chair Bye bye